Time for a listener Scott update. We met Scott back in July. Uh, he was said he was a little bit overweight. His blood pressure was a little bit high. He felt like he was active enough, but he wanted to get things a little bit more under control. So he asked us what we thought. And boy, did we tell him what we thought. So today <laughs> it's our it's our Scott update episode. How's Scott doing? And are there some lessons that anyone trying to get a little bit more healthy, lose a little bit of weight or try to affect those numbers can learn? This is Who Cares About Men's Health, providing information, inspiration, and a different interpretation about men's health. I am Scott Singpill. The MD to my BS is co-host Dr. Troy Matson. I'm here. <laughs> it sounds so happy about it, too. So enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. Producer Mitch is in the mix. Hey there. Uh, we got uh, Thunder Jalili, who is uh, our guy that has a PhD in etiology. He's the nutritionist extraordinaire. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here, unlike Troy. <laughs> Good. Thanks, Thunder. And, and our guest today is listener Scott. How you doing today, Scott? I'm doing all right. I'm glad to be here. All right. So, Scott, when we left off back in July, which was when we talked to you, what was the plan of action that you took away from our conversation so you could uh, work on your weight and your uh, blood pressure, which is just a little bit high? but Yeah. So the primary takeaways that I had were... One, I really need more minutes of exercise per week, um, hopefully getting up there towards 30 minutes a day, um, as well as go talk to a dietitian. So those were the like the two big things. Um, there was another one of like, yeah, as you're doing your desk job, make sure you get up and do some exercises, sit on an exercise ball, you know, if you can get one for, you know, a couple hours a day. Um, so there are those ancillary things as well. But that those that was my main this is what I can do at this time. All right. And how did it go on any of those things? Um, so with the exercising, um, I did quite a bit more, um, as far as like more frequently, um, as well as different things. So I did a lot of running and uh, biking before, and I tried to do more kind of like inside cardio, not really weightlifting because I don't really have big weights or anything, but my body is heavy enough. Um, but that didn't last too long because I just hurt all day, every day and realized that at very least at this time, I cannot maintain that frequency and duration of exercising. And so I cut it back. I am currently more than I was when we originally talked, but not as much as 210 minutes a week. So you, okay. So 210 minutes. So you were doing consistently 30 minutes a day at that point. I, I sure was trying. It certainly felt yeah. like 210 minutes and I, <laughs> it might've been uh, like instructions unclear type thing where I was under the impression that it was 30 minutes of sweating. So not just like a, a casual walk down the street wouldn't have counted towards my 30 minutes. And maybe that's one of the places where I went wrong. I would actually think that it is the 30 minutes of sweating is, is a good guide. Um, and you can sweat when you walk as well. It depends on how fast you walk or whether you're walking uphill. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're maybe out there sprinting for 30 minutes. But yeah. it sounds like doing that, though, you were you were feeling it. Like you're talking like sore muscles or are you talking like injuries or, or what did you experience exactly? So mostly, um, mostly sore muscles, kind of sore joints. I did notice that the more um, like uh, strength training that I did, the less my knee bothered me. Um, as far as like, Hey, if you do a bunch of squats, like when you go running, your knee won't hurt you as much. And so I did notice that that improved. Um, it did not go away, but it did improve considerably. Interesting. But it sounds like at this point though, at least you're doing more 
than you were doing before that. Yeah, that's been that. That's kind of like what the exercising happened um, with. Um, I have noticed like the big things are my weight has gone down. So I was almost consistently like 180 every morning. Well, every morning that I measured. And now I'm generally down somewhere around like 177. Um, but it's kind nice. of plateaued there for like the last three weeks or so. So it, it's been an improvement. It went down a little bit more than that when I was exercising a ton, but I just couldn't maintain that. And Yeah. Hey, Thunder uh, and Troy. So one of the words that Scott did not mention when he talked about his 30 minutes a day is intensity. And it sounds like maybe the intensity was a little too much too fast. What do you guys think of that? Um, yeah, I think that's that's maybe one of the factors. Um, the other thing I was trying to get a sense of, um, Scott, how how long did you give it a give it the thirty minutes of sweating a day before you you felt that you're too sore and you can't keep it up? Like, was that a couple of weeks or how long? Yeah, did that, it was. That it was happen? probably about three weeks. And and remind me again, what exactly were you doing? Was uh, you said biking, maybe some running? Yeah, mostly biking, running, and then kind of strength training. Um, there were definitely some days when it's like heavy yard work would have counted, um, things like that. But generally it was like sweating. And when I was, when I went running and when I went biking, it wasn't really like, okay, I'm going to sprint. I'm really going to work hard. It's like, no, nah, I just want to actually like run. I don't want to do like the slow foot shuffle. So you're, yeah. it sounds, it sounds like intensity was pretty high and it sounds like, did you hit, did you ramp up pretty quickly to seven seven days a week, 210, hour, 210 uh, minutes a week? More or less immediately. Okay. I mean, that might have been part of the yeah. problem. but I wonder if that, yeah, that yeah, might have been I, part of I it. Think so. I think I see where Troy is going with this, and I, I kind of agree with that. Maybe he started a little bit too fast. Um, you know, there is definitely a little bit of ramping up, makes it easier to stick to things. Um, that might be a part of it. I have noticed that throughout my life that recovery from exercise has generally taken longer than it seems to take my peers, which might come up again in part of my dietitian story. So, so just real quick, one of the things I've, uh, I see, you know, fairly commonly, you know, in the gym with my friends and other people who start working out, you know, sometimes they do, uh, they'll start out pretty hard, you know, have a bunch of exercises they're going to do. They do three sets, you know, they don't think about their weights and they, they do that, and then the next day, and maybe for the next few days, they're crippled. So there is something we said for starting slow. And to be honest, if you're going to do a weightlifting routine, it may take you actually the full three weeks to start slow and build up to the point where you're doing, you know, three sets of something with, you know, the weight that you want to try. It um, might even be longer than that, Thunder. I mean, I've, I've lifted yeah. weights before, too. And, uh, you know, you, uh, it's amazing, you know, like how easily it is to get sore if you're not careful when you're first starting out. Like yes. it could be a couple of months of just doing some, you know, easy weight training exercise with kind of some light weights before you start ramping up. I know that makes a huge difference for me because I've done that, what you said your friends have done in the past. And then it just comes to a screeching halt because I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's the downside is, is you know, jumping in too fast becomes a disincentive because now you're like, oh, I'm hurting all the time. I'm sore. I'm tired. This sucks. So, so maybe I guess bottom line is I would say, don't give up on it, Scott. Um, try to incorporate some of that stuff in there and it's totally okay to kind of start easy and slow for a few weeks, you know, so you don't go through that disincentive of being too tired or too sore. 
how much does that apply? I w- before we talked the first time, I was already running, you know, a 5K two to, or an equivalent of 5K like two to three times a week. And then it was like, okay, I want to try and do like six to seven times a week. Um, so like, it's not like I was a couch potato to 210 minutes a week. Yeah. 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 Like if you're adding weight training in there, maybe you, you know, you run three days a week and you do three days a week of weight training, but those three days you do the weight training has to be a very slow, you know, um, onboarding process, so to speak, right. That, that maybe it should take you three, four weeks to get to the point where you're doing, you know, you have five exercises you want to do in a gym and you're doing three sets of each, it'll maybe take you three weeks to get to the point where you're doing three sets of, of each, if, if, if that makes sense. And, and you keep your running, but just, you know, two, three times a week, doing both every day will take more than 30 minutes and you'll definitely be sore. Yeah. And, and if you look at it too, it, you know, you, you essentially, you more than doubled what you were doing. So you did, you said you were doing two to three times a week and you went up to sounds like seven days a week. So that's a, that's a big jump yeah, and, it is. and maybe like a 20% increase. And then you give it a month and see where you are and another 20% increase. But it sounds like, again, the great news is you're better off now than you were then. Like you've lost some weight, you're exercising more. Uh, what's your minutes per week right now? Probably around, um, a hundred, 120 okay. of okay. like solid sweating not counting the like leisurely bike ri- uh, leisurely bike rides walking mowing the lawn stuff like that well i yeah. think leisurely bike rides should count also because yeah. you may not know you're sweating scott because if the breeze you know was blowing on you that sweat is evaporating so you don't really know well sweet yeah it it, it, it maybe <laughs> so now what are we up to what, what are the minutes yeah. that easily adds another 60 minutes easily nice mm. And I was going to say, I love it. You have truly embraced the Matthew McConaughey rule. Like you're, you're going for the sweat. Like it may be 15 <laughs> degrees out, but you're going for the sweat. <laughs> so, so maybe the better rule is just getting your heart rate up. And sometimes, you know, that whole Matthew McConaughey thing, he's like, yeah, I just break a sweat every day. But like, you know, I'm sure he has personal trainers and dietitians and all that. But Hey, and Troy, like, like it's a lot said, easier to do when you live in Texas. <laughs> sure, yes. Sure. He just he just walks outside and he breaks his sweat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you know maybe just looking more just stuff that gets your heart rate up. And a bike ride that's going to get your heart rate up. Pushing a lawnmower around, you know, things like that. So I would definitely give yourself credit for that time you're investing as well. That's all. That's all definitely stuff that you know that's exercise. So no doubt. You mentioned Scott, you lost a few pounds, but you kind of seem to downplay it. Like maybe it's only about three pounds or four pounds or something. Um, I think that does make a big difference, especially if that's weight that's come off of, you know, the abdominal area, because if you're thinking about, you know, long-term chronic disease risk, um, that's, that's, that's what increases risk for people is, you know, weight around the abdominal area. So think about that and maybe three or four pounds has been, you know, really positive change in that regard. Yeah. Every little bit counts. And I have noticed that my uh, exercise shorts have more of a tendency to low ride now versus at the beginning. (laughs) Something has happened. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes we can get this twisted perception of what success and progress is. I know for a while on my Facebook feed, I had numerous people that were way overweight. Like I'm talking a hundred pounds or more overweight and you know, they're losing five, six pounds a week. 
Um, you know, everybody's talking about how great they look. And it was always really frustrating because I've kind of I'm a skinny fat guy. So I could lose five pounds. It could be pretty significant, but nobody would ever notice. Nobody would ever celebrate. You know, and that's just as as much of a win for me as, uh, you know, five or six pounds was for somebody else a week. So I think sometimes we get a little bit of a skewed kind of, you know, this show is like the biggest loser. You know, you think you have to have these huge changes so fast. And, you know, that's just not necessarily always the reality. And those little small ones should be celebrated. And then you also went to a dietitian. Uh, what was the goal of going to a dietitian and how did that play out for you? So that story is a little bit longer, but the goal of the dietitian was really um, like see how foods might be helping, see how foods might be hindering me from reaching my optimal goals. You know, if there's something that's fairly easy to cut out, let's do it. Um, and so I went to, to a dietitian um, and for what it's worth, I was able to get my insurance to cover it. All I needed was a note from my doctor that said, yes, the last time he was in here, his BMI was over 25. And that referral was enough. Um, I don't know if that's valid for everyone, but it worked for me. That's a really great thing to bring up because I think that's a message a lot of people need to hear because sometimes people don't want to pay for that counseling out of their own pocket. So to have it covered with insurance is fantastic. Yeah. Well, one of the things that made a lot of sense, so I met with the dietitian three times and the first time um, they said... It's interesting that people are willing to go to the dentist every year, but not to a dietitian. And that made a lot of sense to me as far as like, hey, check in. Like, we usually go to the dentist and all it is is like, yep, you, your teeth aren't falling out yet and you still aren't flossing. Like, the dietitian could be more or less the same thing. So from the first from the first appointment, we sat there and kind of discussed what am I wanting out of this? Like, a little bit of weight, a little bit of blood pressure, Um and so we talked about four different possibilities. Essentially, there might be some food that is mildly irritating to my body. Um, and so the the four things that we discussed were cutting out gluten, cutting out dairy, cutting out um, eggs, and then adding a bunch of probiotics. And so I sat around for a couple of days and thought which one of those would be easiest to do. Um, and we decided to try gluten. So I did a two-week no-gluten thing. And essentially nothing changed. But while I was doing the gluten thing, I kind of realized, you know what, maybe there are more things that I need to talk about with the dietitian because my digestive health could be a little bit better. So I went back, said, hey, the gluten thing didn't work out. Um, my digestion hasn't been great. So let's try the probiotics next. And we talked about it. And so I went out. Um, I did a little bit of kefir with breakfast and dinner or dessert and then like some sauerkraut in like with lunch. Um, and did that for like two and a half weeks. And there was a little bit of difference with the digestive health, but generally nothing else seemed to change. Um, so and, and help me out here, Scott, when you're talking digestive health, are you talking like your stomach feeling unsettled or are you talking like just, you know, having regular bowel movements or just what, what exactly were they going for there? I'm, I'm so, just curious what, what led to that. Um, stool consistency was kind of what I was going for or regularity. So you were kind of feeling constipated and they said, let's try something and see if this helps out and try probiotics, that sort of thing. Uh, yes, except I'm generally on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, okay. So like maybe a little, little too frequently. Yeah. Frequent, frequent visits. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, so no, like no, no shame, no shame in that. Yeah. I, I, I'll readily admit I've, I've had issues with that as well. So yeah. Yeah. But like, like everything else, it isn't terrible. Um, you yeah. know, everything that I have is perfectly livable, but I've realized, oh, I 
let's talk about it. Maybe this is something okay. else. Yeah. And so it's kind of the theme here that there's some idea of like, hey, go to the dietitian. Oh, I'd never thought about that. Try the gluten. Yeah. And while I'm doing the gluten, I realize, oh, wait, maybe I should be considering more than just weight and blood pressure, maybe digestion too, and okay. kind of open up the scope of what I'm considering for like, what are my measures of health? What is affecting my life, my quality of life? That's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. Probably different than, you know, when we mentioned the dietitian, I think we were thinking more like some of those hidden sugars, things like that. But you were really going to them more targeting that and and just trying to feel better digestion wise where where you just maybe your stomach didn't feel so unsettled or, you know, you weren't having such frequent trips to the restroom, things like that. So, yeah. But that um, was the second yeah. thing because I tried the yeah. gluten first, which was supposed to be yeah, like blood no pressure and whatever. But oh, while okay. I was doing the yeah. probiotics, I was sitting there thinking again about like, huh, I wonder, you know, what is the power of dietitians and whatnot? And I had saw, seen somewhere that sugars can affect mood. And so my scope creep opened up a little bit more of like, you know what, my, my mood could be better. Um, I find that I intend to ruminate. Um, another thing with sugars can be associated with um, soreness after exercising. Um, and so I'm like, okay, uh, whatever. I'm going to try that because of scheduling conflicts. Um, I wasn't able to see the dietitian right after the probiotics thing. So I decided just by myself, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try and cut out everything sweet, including mm. like the, like maple syrups, essentially anything that is sweet and easy to cut out. So I do it. So like my pancakes were like peanut butter and bananas, um, which is not as satiating as, you know, like butter and syrup and everything. But I found out that that has almost completely removed all of my rumination that if something negative happens to me or I find some like bad news or something, it doesn't ruin the rest of my day. I mean, it's still bad. I'm still sad or whatever about it, but I'm able to like, okay, that's great. And move on, which is a really surprising outcome from our original conversation. It might not be correlated. It might be because I've been exercising so much, you know, so much more or whatever. But currently that is what I am experiencing, which is surprising. That is also an exercise effect because exercise, regular exercise is known to be one of those things that helps people deal with stress and improve their mood. Um, one thing I would ask Scott is how long have you been doing the, the low sugar slash no sugar diet? So I cut out the sugary cereals before we talked and I did the math and lowballing it. I was probably consuming as much sugar as is, as is in half a can of soda, like every morning, just in like cereal. Um, so that probably had an effect, but the yeah. like actual cessation of sugar was about a week and a half, close to two weeks ago. And okay. I noticed these benefits, the like rumination benefits within a couple days of stopping. Have you seen a, a tie in there, thunder with sugar and, and, maybe some of the mental health benefits or, or, or some, some of those things he's mentioning? You know, I don't really, I don't really know what exact ties are maybe in sugar consumption. Like everything else, it's, it's, uh, it's probably related to the amount that you're consuming, you know? Um, so, I mean, I'm not discounting what Scott is saying at all. Um, you know, just right now on the spot, I'm having trouble kind of drawing like a pathway in my mind to try to explain it. If, so if that makes sense. I, I did talk with my dietitian yesterday. That was my last um, appointment. And I brought it up and she more or less said, um, 
that's great. I have read that sugar can be associated, like high sugar has been associated with depression. And so maybe this is kind of the same thing. I don't know. But if you're seeing benefits, hey, that's great. High sugar is associated with so many negative things. But but the key is, you know, how do you define high sugar? Like what level is high sugar? And, and Scott, I'm not sure really how much sugar you had. I mean, it sounds like in, you know, breakfast, you would probably have about 20 grams of added sugar or more. Yeah, that's a fair amount. Um, but I don't know in general your diet, how high was it? You know, there's tons of studies that show if you feed high sugar, you know, where you get to the point of like 10% of your calories to 20% of your calories, that does have specific physiological um, uh, problems that develop. I'll give you just one example. Like if you um, replay, if you give someone's calories, say 10 to 20% of their calories in the form of sugar, their LDL levels um, go up. LDL is the the bad form of cholesterol that, that that's in your blood, and not only that, the type of LDL that's produced is is the more atherogenic type. In other words, the type that's worse for heart disease. But that happens with ten to twenty percent of your calories coming from sugar. So taking it back to you, um, I don't know, you know, where you f- would fall into that scheme because I haven't seen your diet, and I'm sure there's other connections as well with sugar. You know, I'm just more familiar with, with the heart disease and, and, and obesity issues around it. And also the blood pressure issue. There's another thing. Sugar is known to increase blood pressure and increase risk of cardiovascular disease. Yeah. And I'm still, I mean, this is all a great big experiment on myself. And I know that I'm probably similar to most people, but I'm also unique in my own ways. And I still need to find out if all of this is just coincidence or if it's actually, um, if it's actually correlated, because there are quite a few nights that I'll like be laying in bed and tell my partner, I really just want a cake. I really just want a cake. Join the club. <laughs> I hear you. Like not a piece of cake. I want a whole cake. I want a cake. I get it. I get it. All the cake. Oh. Just bring it. Well, you know, everything that's positive that's been happening. Um, I mean, it's great. Um, but I think, all of us can't fall into the to the mistake of trying to like put the finger on one thing because you know what a lot of this comes back to basically healthy lifestyle what's part of healthy lifestyle trying to get some exercise trying to find a way of dealing with your stress trying to eat healthier so you know we may not have to identify one specific dietary change but the fact that you're changing multiple things and you're having a positive benefit that's the important take home message. Yep. And that is what my, similar to what the dietitian was saying of yeah, every time we cut out something for a couple of weeks, we gain information. You gain the information of if I don't eat this, I see these benefits. And if at any point in time, those benefits are worth, you know, cutting it out, go for it. And that's kind of how I viewed everything and kind of will go forward under that of like, let's see how much sugar I can eat while still maintaining these benefits, or maybe it's not, maybe it's exercise related. I don't know, but I'm certain when Christmas comes around, there will be plenty of sugars that I eat and no exercising that will be done. And we'll find out. <laughs> give, give yourself some credit. We know you can do it. You can, you can resist and you well, can keep exercising. Yeah, it's a I challenge. Think too, I think too, the other, the other takeaway is you're doing a great job cutting out stuff, but I hear words like all, you know, or as much as you can, and, uh, you know, 
everything in moderation, right? Thunder, like every once in a while, you can have a little reward. It's just more of the what choices are you making on a regular basis? Would you agree with that, Thunder? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, it is really hard to to be super militant, you know, all the time. And you don't want to fall into the trap of, of um, you know, having like a piece of cake and then just throwing your hands up in the air and saying, it's over. Just give me the rest of the cake. You know, um, it's okay to have stuff like that once in a while, you know, you have other, um, you have other levers you can, you can operate, right? One of those is the exercise lever. So maybe if you have a little bit of a tougher time with some of your dietary approach, Scott, maybe you try to just ramp up a little bit more exercise for that week or that day or something. So, so I would use all the tools, you know, at my disposal um, as, as you move forward. Uh, definitely. Um, I guess for some context, at least for the dietitian that I went to, when we're talking about excluding things from the diet to gain information, it is important for two weeks to be very militant about you do not eat any gluten to figure sure. out, is it actually that? Yeah. So it's not, I have no intention of living this way for the rest of my life. Um, but for the two week experiment phase, that's kind of how it has to be. Thunder, what's your take? When I read um, that Scott went to a dietitian and the the kind of, you know, that they went down the route of gluten sensitivity and, and, um, you know, just different food sensitivity diagnosis. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit because I feel like that happens a lot, but I don't know that that it's, it seems like a little bit, I don't know. It's not witchcraft, but you know, just, I'm like, really, that's the first thing, huh? What's your take yeah, on that? I, I mean, it does happen a lot. It seems like, I guess it's one of those trendy things, you know, everybody wants to immediately, um, talk about gluten. So the reality is, 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 you know, some people are definitely gluten sensitive and it has a lot of big problems as it relates to, uh, you know, their digestive health and their body weight and things like that. Um, but you don't really know who is gluten sensitive. So this is one of the approaches. If you, if you're, mm -hmm. you know, faced right. with somebody who has, you know, some of those issues that could raise the flag of gluten sensitivity, then it's an easy thing to try. Go on your gluten-free diet for one or two weeks and see what happens. I think sure. that's part of the reason why it's so popular. Um, but, you know, obviously not everyone's gluten-sensitive. So in Scott's case, um, it didn't really make a difference, much of a difference one way or the other. Uh, and there's other examples, though, uh, of this in nutrition as well. You know, salt is another one. You know, like if someone has high blood pressure, you know, one of the first knee-jerk things that's done is you tell that patient, oh, just eat less salt, you know, reduce your sodium intake. Let's see if we can reduce your blood pressure. There are some people that do respond to that, but not everyone does. But, you know, you have people try it anyway, just to see if it works. If it doesn't work, put it aside and move on to a different approach. So that's my take on gluten sensitivity. I think it's in that paradigm. Mitch, you've been quiet. Do you want to jump in with anything? So the thing that I keep thinking about a lot when it comes to, say, even my own health, I've slipped up a little bit recently, but it's that idea of finding what works for you, right? And that's a big problem, I think, that happens when we talk men's health and you see the magazines and you look on Reddit, et cetera, like everyone swears they found the one way to lose weight or the one way to lose, drop your blood pressure, one way to lose whatever, when actually there's maybe like 50 different ways that could maybe work for you. And so it's very inspiring, Scott, to hear that in the six weeks, you've made a lot of progress. Um, but on top of that, you're trying things. You're taking an active role in your health and getting yourself to that next level rather than just, oh, I'm good enough. 
right? So, so trying things out and trying the elimination stuff and just getting to know yourself better in your body and your health. And that's, I think that's really, really the takeaway for me as kind of, you know, someone by the sideline who's trying to also improve his own health. My partner is very grateful to you that you, you meaning the whole, the podcast family, I guess, um, has been the like kick in the pants I needed to actually try some of these things um, that she's been advocating for of like, Hey, we eat too much sugars. We should try like decreasing that we should do this. Like it has been a long time coming. And I guess this was the stimulus that I needed and she really appreciates it. And that's probably the biggest thing. It's not so much what you're doing. It's that you're doing it. And like Mitch said, you're trying stuff. And the thing that makes me happiest to hear is you're better off than you were six weeks ago. And you're very comfortable with that. Like, it sounds like what you're doing now is very sustainable and you're happy with it. And I think that's the greatest thing. So I think you've got something, you're comfortable with it, you're doing well, and you can just keep building on it. I absolutely agree. Moving forward, Scott, what do you think, uh, what, what's your next uh, kind of plan of action? How are you going to continue this great progress that you've got so far? I'm definitely planning on trying to continue to increase the activity level um, as far as strength training as well as like cardio type stuff. Um, so kind of head in that direction. Hopefully I can get up to closer to 210 minutes a, a week. Um, but I'm also going to cut myself some slack as far as like leisurely bike rides and stuff like that. Um, so that will make it a lot easier to get up there. Um, other than that, I'm planning on playing with this sugar idea a little bit more. Um, so maybe another half week or a week of being serious about it and then seeing like slowly introducing it back to see if um, symptoms return. If nothing happens with that, I am planning on trying a dairy cessation for two weeks and a an egg cessation at some point, not immediately. I'm kind of getting overwhelmed with all of that. Um, but it would be interesting to see what happens. I still want to get a, like a personal trainer for a couple of sessions, you know, to help me with my gait or techniques when I do squats or something like that. I think that having that feedback would be very important. It just didn't happen over the last handful of weeks. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going. Um, kind of more of the same, more of this experimentation and trying to get a professional to help me, you know, give me personalized feedback. Very cool. Troy, do you have any last thoughts? I, like I said before, I, I, I love what you're doing. And again, I think it's, it's more that you're doing it and you're trying stuff and you're finding stuff that works. And so I, I just keep it up. I'll be excited to hear where you are in another six weeks. Thunder? Yeah, I agree with Troy. Um, you know, you're making the changes, you're trying different things, keep it up. It'll take a little while before you land on something that exactly works for you consistently that you can live with, but this is all part of the journey. So yeah, good for you. And I'm going to tell you, Scott, you actually inspired me. After we talked uh, that initial episode, I decided I needed to get back into the gym doing some weight training again. So as a result of our conversation, our interaction and our, you know, that whole deal, uh, I've been fairly consistent at least two times a week, which for me is pretty good, if not three times a week of getting in and doing some strength training. And it's taken about a month, six weeks, but now I'm starting to notice some benefits. I'm definitely noticing that I'm getting a little bit stronger uh, and uh, clothes are fitting a little bit differently. So I wanted to thank you for caring about your health to the extent that it made me care about mine again. Being in the gym was something I hadn't done for a while, and I actually kind of do like weight training in the gym, even though Troy doesn't. So thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. 
You're very welcome. And thank you for being a positive impact on my life. Scott, it's been a pleasure. We look forward to checking in again. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out anytime. All right. Okay. Thank you. Oh, it was so awesome hearing from listener Scott. He's making some progress. Things are going well. You know, it just t- it takes time. It takes some trial and error, figuring things out, uh, especially finding a type of health that's going to work for you and work for your goals. It doesn't have to always be about being big and buff and being being able to do extreme stuff. So we'll check back in with Scott at a later date. By the way, if you have any questions or if you'd like to talk to the Who Cares About Health crew, a couple ways you can do that. You can email us hello at thescoperadio.com. You can call and leave a voicemail at 601-55-SCOPE, that's S-C-O-P-E, or you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whocaresmenshealth, and you can send a message there or make a post on our wall. Thank you for listening, and by the way, if there's somebody else you think might find this useful that could be inspired by Scott's story or any of the things we talk about to start their health journey, by all means, please share this with them. That's the best way to get this podcast out to as many men as possible. Thanks for listening. Thanks for caring about men's health.